Okay, uh, anyway, praise the Lord. We've been, we've been looking at the book of Hebrews. We're already to chapter 11. It only goes to 13. And remember, you would have read this from start to finish. You know, it was a letter. You didn't have the entire Bible. Most of these people didn't have anything other than what people had traditionally uh, said about Jesus and whatever. And all of a sudden, you get a letter from a guy named Apollos or Paul, or could it be Timothy? Who knows? We're not sure. But anyway, uh, so far we've been learning about uh, in this book that you've got a high priest. And there's nowhere listed in here that, oh my goodness, you have made a mistake. You know, it doesn't matter what level or, or what kind of sin it was. If you sinned, oh my goodness. No, we've already discovered that even the priest could not keep from sinning. And we're going to blow it too. We're going to make mistakes. Uh, but anyway, all of a sudden, when you get to Hebrews chapter 11 is where we are today. I'm going to back up just into the last part of the 10th chapter so we can see what's going on. In the 10th chapter here, uh, we find out that uh, we're supposed to come, let's see, I think he says, yeah, uh, we're having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Remember, it's like unheard of. You do not go behind the curtain into the holy of holies. Well, now you do because something happened by a new and living way. Okay. And anyway, we're supposed to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, and then simply hold fast. To our faith without wavering. In other words, let's don't. The temptation here was to go back to Egypt. In other words, I'm not sure if Jesus will actually take me to heaven. Uh, I think maybe I need to go back and keep the law. I'll keep being good enough. That'll never work. So he says here, cast not away your confidence. In other words, in Jesus, it's got a great recompense of reward. I know this is King James, but nonetheless, in other words, there's a reward if you just stay with Jesus. Verse 36, you have need of patience. After you've done the will of God, you'll what? He says, you'll receive the promise. And then he says, oh, for yet a little while, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Let me put this back in the, uh, in the living Bible here. Uh, that can be a little bit vague sometimes right there toward the end. Uh, let's see what we got. Uh, yeah, he says, verse 35, don't let this happy trust in the Lord die away. See, I believe that's where we are today. You can make yourself sad, you know, and it's ridiculous. Uh, matter of fact, in the next, uh, well, we can't get to the next chapter yet, but anyway, he also says this phrase, this happy trust in the Lord. The Bible says in the King James, we are coming to Mount Zion, and it says unto the heavenly Jerusalem, and then it says unto an innumerable company of angels. Saints, whether you believe it or not, and I know we do here, but you have got angels encamped about you. The Living Bible, when it says you have numerous angels encamped about you, guess what it says? Numerous happy angels. Praise the Lord. And why wouldn't they be happy? They're on the winning side, and they know they're there to make sure you are on the winning side. So anyway, don't let your happy trust in the Lord die away. No matter what happens, remember your reward. You need to keep patiently doing God's will if you want Him to do all that He's promised for you. His coming will not be delayed much longer. And those whose, uh, whose faith made them good in God's sight. See, that's important. Only your trust in Jesus. Only way you're getting to heaven is because of Jesus. That's right. Oh, by trusting, look at this. He says, uh, must live by faith, trusting him in everything. This is so key because we're going to start the 11th chapter here in a moment. Trusting him in everything. Otherwise, if they shrink back, God will have no pleasure in him. But we have never turned our backs on God and sealed our faith. No, our faith in him assures our soul's salvation. Now, remember, this is a letter. We were not supposed to chop it up, even though we do here for time's sake. We're now at the 11th uh, chapter. We've been on this for 11 weeks, at least 11 Sundays. So now watch this. He says here in uh, Hebrews 11, what is faith? 
It's the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It's the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. King James says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2, men of God in days of old were famous for their faith. Now remember, this is not a history lesson. What other people did, this is for us. We've got to keep our faith going. And I want, this is, just simply notice what they go through. And it'll, it'll put your hands on your hips and you'll be going, you know what? I'm going to ask God to help me too. Yeah, whatever your daily troubles are, ask God. Verse 3, by faith, believe in God, we know that the world and the stars, in fact, all things were made at God's command. So that things that were made, uh, excuse me, and that uh, they were all made from things that can't be seen. The King James says, by faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made out of things which do appear. In other words, God said, let there be light. And there was light, you know, <clears throat> it was just simply God's word. He said that was faith. Verse four, it was by faith that Abel obeyed God, brought an offering that pleased God more than Cain's offering did. God accepted Abel and proved it right by accepting his gift. Though Abel's long dead, we can still learn lessons from him about trusting God. Now we get down to this other guy. We've already got uh, God. Okay. And then we just saw uh, Abel. And then now we got this guy named Enoch. Remember, he walked with God and all of a sudden, boom, he was gone. What happened? He trusted God. Now, what's the difference between me and Enoch here trusting God, you know, let's just say as a Baptist or a Methodist or whatever. Oh, I believe in God. Well, see, it's not just believing in God. It's a daily, I trust you to help me. And it says, so that's why God took him away to heaven without dying. Suddenly he was gone because God took him. Before this happened, God said how he was pleased with Enoch. Now, how did he please him? He's going to describe. Now, here's a little insertion here of what they did, and here's what you and I can do. Uh, let me switch to the King James because we hear this a lot in the King James. And so let's put it back over there just a moment. What does he say in verse 6? He says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. Well, we got that part. But, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, uh, there's a big difference here in just saying, well, I know there's a God. So he says, you can never please God without faith, without depending on him. And the funny thing about it is, over the years, I've heard it as well as you have, the only thing we were taught to depend on God for was get me to heaven. I'm dependent on God to get me to heaven. I got my fire insurance. We make jokes about it. I got my fire insurance. You know, I'm not going to hell. Well, good. And that's true. But there's more to it. He says, anyone who wants to come to God must first believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely look for him. Now, uh, this rewards, it's just another word for if you'll ask God to help you, he will help you. The whole Bible from cover to cover is stories about people that asked God when they were in trouble or whatever, or they needed something, and they asked God, he would get it for them. Verse 7, now we're up to another guy. We already had, uh, we already spoke about God, and then we, he kind of wrapped up the elders, and then he says, uh, Enoch, no, excuse me, Abel, then Enoch, and now here we're down to Noah. Noah was another person who trusted God. When he heard God's warning about the future, Noah believed him, even though there was uh, then no sign of a flood. And wasting no time, he built the ark and saved his his family. 
Noah's belief in God was a direct contrast to the sin and disbelief of the rest of the world, which refused to obey. And because of his faith, he became one of those whom God has accepted. In other words, look at this. Because of his faith, he became one of those that God accepted. In other words, we trust God to make us holy. It's not a matter of, oh, you know, Noah was just such a perfect little guy. You remember when Noah got off that boat, soon as they landed, first thing he did was he got drunk. <gasps> oh, no. Well, way to go, God. You know, well, see, we, we miss it so much time, so much of the time because we worry about, you know, God has no mercy. God has all kind of mercy. Can you imagine? We have pictures in my mind about Noah, the animals are all getting off. And then you see the rainbow in the background. I've seen that picture many times, maybe at the doctor's office in that uh, Bible stories book, you know. Well, the truth is when they landed, I mean, Noah got rip roaring drunk that night, whatever. Well, we don't see God says, well, that's the end of this. I'm going to get rid of this. No, uh -uh. there's always mercy. It's always mercy. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, now we get right down to verse eight. It's Abraham. Abraham trusted God. And when God told him to leave home and go far away to another land that he promised to give him, Abraham obeyed and he went away. Look at this. Not even knowing where he was going. Now, if I'd never heard of New Hope and God said, I want you to go to another land that's out there. And I'm like, there ain't nothing out there on the other side of the mountain over there, you know. Well, see, that's what Abraham was going through. But Abraham said, you know, I'm going to believe you. And he headed out there for, you know, New Hope or whatever. I mean, he knew there was a, there was a city out there. But he didn't have Google Maps or nothing. <laughs> he just trusted God. And that's where we're getting today is I have got to continue to trust God. And, you know, you got to understand, Abraham, if, you, if you've read this in the book of Genesis, he was supposed to get away from his family. I'll tell you what, I love Huntsville. And what I tell people, I grew up in Huntsville. You know, it's like, Bob, when you told me if you ever lost your cell phone thing, had all your phone numbers and stuff on it. Remember you told me, you said you might as well just shoot me. <laughs> well, Abraham's fixing to lose all his contacts. Phil, the tree guy, he's going to lose all them friends. Uh-uh. You're on your own. How can we do this? Let me tell you something. The sweetest thing about Jesus is that it doesn't matter. As long as you got Jesus, and you do, you are going to be fine. They could ship all of us out of the United States, put us, put, us somewhere, put us somewhere in Siberia, and you and I will all be fine. Why? Because we continue to trust God. Well, what if they stick me out there in the cold and I ain't got any clothes? You ought to just, like we just said, keep that happy trust. Remember, they took joyfully the spoiling of their goods. It just gets funny. I'm telling you, I mean, uh, something would happen and you would get your clothes. God would keep you warm. God fed Elijah, remember that? <sighs> Brought him some food after he was running away from uh, Jezebel. Jezebel wanted to kill him. All right, here we are. Abraham trusted God. He told him to leave town, and he did. Go to a promised land. Watch this, verse 9. And even when he reached God's promised land, he lived in tents like a mere visitor, as did Isaac and Jacob, to whom God gave the same promise. Abraham did this because he was confidently waiting for God to bring him to that strong heavenly city whose designer and builder is God. I tell you what, Abraham was like, I'm going where you want me to go. And God didn't make this stuff up for him. It was real. Hey, now we got Sarah. Sarah, too, had faith. Now, what did Sarah have faith for? Oh, yeah, she needed to believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for her sins, and that she would go to heaven someday. Uh, no, that was a no-brainer. That took care of itself. 
This was something else. Sarah too had faith because of this. She was able to become a mother in spite of her, I don't care what theologians say, and and they actually don't say this, but some of our liberal friends will tell us, well, back then the women, the years and stuff were different. Don't go that argument. That's ridiculous. This woman was 80 years old. 80 years old. Remember, she was so good looking even at age 80 that Pharaoh wanted to marry her. But the fact was, she was still old. In spite of her old age, for she realized that God, who gave her his promise, would certainly do what he said. Now, some say, well, it was just going to happen on its own. No, she had faith. You got to use your faith. Remember, she named her son Isaac, which meant laughter, you know, because she was laughing about it the whole time saying, this ain't going to happen. But apparently she changed her mind and said, okay, God said it, I'm going to have it. Verse 12, and so a whole nation came from Abraham who was too old to have even one child. You know, I don't care what your problem is right now. As a matter of fact, the more devastating it is, the better. When you've got a problem, it just looks like every door is closed. You need to see the garage door open wide open because God's going to fix this for you. He's going to get you out of it. And listen, your tears are no trouble. You should let those tears you see in the mirror tell you, you know what? I need to pray. I've let this thing bother me, and I need God's help. I need a miracle. And God will give you your miracle. He will. So far, he's not saying, well, just, you know, just kind of roll over and play dead. No, he's saying, use your faith. So anyway, a whole nation came from Abraham who was too old to have even one child. A nation with so many millions of people that like the stars of the sky and the sand of the ocean, there's no way to count them all. And I'm telling you, that's the way God's going to deal with you and I. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. I mean, we should never sing that song if it didn't have any foundation. But obviously, it has foundation. Verse 13. These men of faith, I have mentioned, died without ever receiving all that God had promised them. Now, what he's talking about there is what you and I have in Jesus. But look what they had. Man, they could fight bad guys. They could have kids. They could have... I mean, it didn't matter. He raised the dead. All this kind of stuff was taking place. And God still says, <coughs> those people didn't have what you and I have. Uh, anyway, uh, they all agreed that this earth, this earth was not their real home, but they were just strangers visiting down there. This earth is not my home. I'm just a passing through. So there is some truth to this. Verse 14. And quite obviously, when they had talked like that, they were looking forward to their real home in heaven. Well, man, I'm real confused here, especially if, I, if I'm liberal and I don't really believe in an afterlife. Saints, there is an afterlife. We are going somewhere else. Okay. Verse 15, if they wanted to, they could have gone back to the good things of this world, but they didn't want to. They were living for heaven. And now God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's made a heavenly city for them. Now, I want to point out this part right here. It says, call their God. You know, God warned in the Old Testament over and over again because the people of Israel kept getting shrines and idols and whatever. And the reason they got those was not just so they could try something else out. It was for help. They thought the Philistines and their god Dagon and all these other kind of crazy gods were, were helping them be more uh, you know, successful or whatever. And you don't need to do that because we have a God. He will take care of that. Verse 17, while God was testing Abraham still... Abraham trusted, excuse me, while God was testing him, Abraham still trusted in God 
and his promises. And he offered up Isaac, his son, and was ready to slay him on the altar of sacrifice. Remember that story? God said, hey, take your son and offer him for me. <gasps> but, you know, the beautiful part about that was right before, and I've seen pictures, people have painted pictures. He's fixing to stab uh, Isaac, whatever. And, and God says, no, don't do it. Take that goat over there. And I always like to mention, because I believe it's true, that God wanted to see if Abraham was willing to give up his only begotten son, and he was. And then God says, nah, you let me give up my only begotten son instead. And that's the trade-off. Jesus did. Anyway, verse 18. Yes, even to slay Isaac, through whom God had promised to give Abraham the whole nation of descendants. Now, before I read the next verse, remember God said, through Isaac, you're going to have all these kids. But then God says, take Isaac and offer him, and I want you to burn him up. You know, we were talking about being cremated and whatever earlier, you know, and ashes. So God said, Abraham, I want you to offer him up and to burn him. But remember, God had already promised that through Isaac, you're going to have more descendants. So Abraham said, okay, this is going to be quite a miracle because I'm going to burn him to nothing, and then God's going to have to resurrect him. That's exactly what the next verse says. Can you imagine how much faith Abraham was, was operating in? I mean, just the same thing as you and I would. We just say, I'm going to trust you to help me, Lord. Here it is, verse 19. He believed that if Isaac died, God would bring him back to life again. I think we all have room for improvement. I think I'm like, I'm not going to give up. <laughs> You know, Abraham didn't say, well, you know what? I just can't do this. Now, why would he say I can't do this? Because he would be thinking God does not have the power to bring Isaac back to life again. Oh, dear brothers, oh, sisters. God has the power. Jesus told him at Lazarus' tomb when Martha said, well, he's been dead four days. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, he didn't say, I, I have the power to raise the dead. He said, I am the resurrection. If I want them to live again... I can make him live again. He made Jairus' daughter come back to life. He was making so much fun of it. They said, well, she's already dead. He says, no, nah, she's just sleeping. Oh, man, just sleeping. You remember that story. Anyway, <clears throat> well, anyway, he believed that if Isaac, if, if Isaac died, God would bring him back to life again. And that's just what happened. For as far as Abraham was concerned, Isaac was doomed to death, but he came back to life again. Wow. And the reason was is because God said you don't have to give it to it, don't have to give up his life. Verse twenty, it was by faith that Isaac uh, knew God would give future blessings to his two sons Jacob and Esau. Now think about that just a moment. Do we just kind of think, well, you know, God will bless us and a pat you on the back? This was so serious <laughs> that you know. Remember, Jacob and Esau and their mother was involved in trying to get that birthright. What's the birthright all about, you know? Well, the blessings, but God's, I mean, uh, uh, Isaac still gave Esau a blessing even though Jacob got a blessing. They both got blessed. But remember Jacob's blessing, he couldn't get away from it. He went over there and remember he wound up, he, it's that funny story, his uh, uncle, oh, Uncle Laban, he had met, I think her name was Rachel, oh, See, Rachel or Rebecca, excuse me, that's one of the R's, wherever it is. But anyway, he fell in love with Rachel or Rebecca, whatever her name is. And uh, he spends the night with her wedding night, but wakes up in the morning, and guess what? It's not Rachel. Oh, no, it was Leah. Ah, what a surprise. His uncle tricked him, gave him the older daughter instead. 
Jacob was so furious that he didn't have the woman he thought on his wedding night. Anyway, his uncle said, you can have Rebecca. I'll give her to you right now, or whatever, Rachel, whatever her name is. And, uh, but you've got to work for me for 14 years. You know. And Jacob goes, well, okay, I'll work for you 14 years. During those 14 years, everything that Jacob touched was turning to gold. His uncle was so mad at him and said, okay, I want you to have, I'm just going to make these things up, but I want you to have the green cows because I'm going to keep the purple cows. Well, then guess what? All the green cows multiplied. They were actually speckled, whatever. They multiplied just huge. But Laban's cows were only having a few. Everything Jacob touched was blessed. And I'm telling you, you should look for that same blessing for you and I. It belongs to you and I. I it, it's amazing. It's like I was telling uh, some this morning and we were talking about it. And I just, you know, I just, throughout my whole day, I just, I start seeing the problem occur. I start looking for the answer. Okay, anyway, future blessings. Well, I guess the future blessings was going to heaven. Well, they didn't record that in the book of Genesis. They recorded about cows and whatever. And I'll tell you, another part of the story is really funny. We may not get through chapter 11. Uh, Jacob, remember, he, he stole that birthright from Esau. Now, Esau gave it up because he said, I'm hungry. Give me your, give me your soup, whatever. And Jacob said, I'll give you my soup for what? If you'll give me your birthright. Well, Esau was so stupid, he goes, okay, yeah, just give me, I want that donut, and I'll give you the birthright. Well, all because of just want to get a happy meal or whatever. Anyway, it was so bad that his mama sent uh, Jacob away, and that's how he went to Laban's house. Anyway, this is such a fantastic story. Finally, Jacob had had enough of his uncle Laban, and he took his wife, Leah, and Rachel. Remember, he loved Rachel. But anyway, he's got his two wives. And all these kids and all these farm animals, and they're heading back over to where their grandpa lives, Isaac. But I think Isaac had already passed away. Uh, but anyway, uh, they're going to meet Esau. And all of a sudden, Jacob's worried, man, Esau, my brother, is going to kill me. You know how bad family domestic cases can be. I mean, like, man, my brother's going to kill me. But anyway... Here comes Esau on the other side of this valley, and he's got thousands of people and you know his whole entourage of his family. And here comes Jacob with all his thousands of thousands, and they meet in this valley. And Jacob didn't want to go first. He sent his wives out there and whatever first to go meet them, a delegation, whatever. Anyway, Esau got there. And remember, Jacob was worried. Remember, if you'll remember, the story was this was the night that Jacob wrestled with that angel. He wrestled with an angel. And Jacob wouldn't let go of that angel. Dustin knows about wrestling. And, and, and Jacob held on that angel. Remember what he told that angel? Now, this is how stupid we could think blessings are. But they're not stupid. Jacob held on to that angel. And he said, and the angel said, let me go. And then the angel said, I mean, excuse me. And Jacob said, no, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. Well, anyway, in the meantime, the angel touched him on the hip or whatever, the thigh, and it kind of took his thigh out of his, his leg out of joint or whatever, something happened. But anyway, the angel said, okay, I'll bless you. <clears throat> and he changed his name to what? Israel. That's where the name Israel comes from. So that angel said, okay, I'm going to call your name Israel. But he didn't give him some, well, you're just blessed. Okay, I bless you. Oh, have a blessed day type thing. This was so powerful. Anyway, so the next morning, uh, Isaac, no, what's his name? Uh, Jacob. Jacob's out there and he goes, oh, there's my brother. Oh, God, I'm going to get killed. You know, is what he's worried about. But he's going anyway. He thinks his brother Esau is going to kill him. But guess what happens? No way. 
Even domestic problems, you know, family, sisters against sisters, brothers against brothers. What happens? I forgive you. And they had a big hug fest out there. They said, my people are your people, your people are my people. I mean, they just loved each other. And it was fantastic. Now, how do you have all that? By faith. Isaac knew God would give future blessings to his two sons. And the same thing, by faith, when you get down here to Jacob, uh, uh, when he was old and dying, he blessed each one of Joseph's two sons as he prayed, leaning on the top of his cane. Now, this is interesting. The coat of many colors. Jacob was told by his sons, Oh, little Joseph died. Oh, he died. No, he didn't die. <laughs> Joseph made all his brothers mad. Remember that story? He said, you know, I had a dream that y'all are all going to come down and bow down before, <laughs> before me. Well, that dream was real because he became vice Pharaoh. Remember that? He went down to, he wound up being a slave and wound up going all the way to the top. Again, all this stuff is faith. If you find yourself sold as a slave to Pharaoh, get ready for the blessings. I don't care if the road of hard knocks still happens. Remember that? As soon as he got there, he was not even anybody, but he was working for an Egyptian. The Egyptian's wife wanted him to mess around with him. And he goes, I'm not going to do that. So she makes up this false rape story and he gets thrown in jail and he didn't do nothing wrong. But you should still look up and all of a sudden Joseph gets out of prison, you know, and it was a great story how he got out of prison. You can go read it for yourself. <clears throat> so anyway, this is, just, this is just one blessing after another. I mean, I don't see any problems yet. Let's keep reading. Uh, verse 22, okay. And it was by faith that Joseph, this is interesting, watch this. As he neared the end of his life, now we were talking about funerals this morning, watch this. He confided, oh, he confidently spoke of God bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. And he was so sure of it that he made them, in other words, the Israelites, promise to carry out his bones with them when they left. And you know, you see that in the book of Joshua. After they got to the promised land, can you imagine? I've heard ministers mention this, and I always thought it was funny. Some of those guys been hauling these bones around for 40 years in the wilderness, and they're like, I'm tired of carrying these bones. Let's just pitch these things over here. But you know, they never did. Now, why did they never pitch those bones away? Because what? By faith. He made these guys promise. And Joseph, I mean, he's fixing to go bye-bye. Okay, I'm, I'm fixing to be dead. But he trusted God that God would get his bones out of Pharaoh's land and get them to that promised land. And it happened. You can read that story for yourself. Brings us to Moses, verse 23. Moses' parents had faith too. Whoa, now we're talking about his parents. Now remember what happened? Pharaoh said, we've had enough of the Israel, Israelites. Let's kill them all. So they were making all the people throw all their kids into the Nile River. Just kill them. Mm. Well, Moses' parents had faith, and they're like, mm -mm, I ain't doing that. So when they saw that God had given them an unusual child, they trusted God would save him from the death the king commanded. Kill all the babies. But they what? They trusted God to save him. Wow. And they hid him for three months and were not afraid. Wow. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, he refused to be treated as the grandson of the king. Now think about that. See, what is faith? Well, Moses had to draw a line and say, look, I know I'm supposed to be Pharaoh's stepson, but I am not. I belong to Abraham's descendants. And the God of Abraham is my God, not the God of the Nile. Moses had drawn a line. Wow. Uh, verse 25. But to sh he says, so I, I'm going to, mm, he, he decided I'm going to serve, uh, serve the God of the Israelites instead of the God of, uh, 
the Egyptians, but chose to share ill treatment with God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the promised Christ than to own all the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the great reward that God would give him. Now, do you think he lost out? We were talking about money a little while ago. He didn't lose out. <laughs> wow. God richly blessed Moses. Wow. Anyway, and it was because he trusted God that he left the land of Egypt and was not afraid of the king's anger. I, th- I tell you what, you know, there's just something about God being your shield. And he's your protection. Moses kept right on going. It seemed as though he could, look at this, it seemed as though he could see God right there with him. Now there you go, saints. We have a scripture now about Moses. And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to take off your shoes and slip on Moses' shoes. And you're supposed to see God right there with you. See, I'm reminded in the book of Psalms, we're going to have to stop. The book of Psalms, David said, I have set the Lord before me. He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. In other words, David said, I did that all the time. David would see himself with the Lord. Now, can we really do that? Yeah, I believe we can. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you, know, and you can tell, I'm, of course, I'm just preaching this morning, but we're not done. We've got to finish. We'll just pick up with this next time. But, you know, it's just, it's just so much, it's just obvious. We just simply day to day trust the Lord. He's going to get you out of all your troubles. Praise the Lord. And your comfort comes from you. Read the book for yourself and find out. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you. By your stripes, we're healed. Lord, we also thank you that you supply every need. And if we're faced with any kind of trouble, just like we see here in the book of Hebrews and all these problems, these people leaving the country, leaving their hometown and going where they've never been before and all the kind of things that might possibly happen, but they trusted you and you took care of every little thing. Lord, fix every little thing for us today. And that doesn't leave anything left but for us to just tell others about how great you are and you are so great. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we'll pick this back up next time. Yeah, amen.